So this is the uh, uh, Samyutanikaya, uh, chapter 22, verse 85. This is called Yamaka, which is a uh, uh, bhikkhu Yamaka. And it's in reference to his uh, wrong view that he was holding, which was, he was going around saying, a bhikkhu whose defilements have ended, an arahant, at the breakup of the body, he ceases, is destroyed, and is not, is not or does not exist beyond or after death. So there's many such uh, wrong views. Okay, so why is he wrong? To state that he does not exist after death. Because it states what's after death. Um, well, after the breakup of the arguments. So it's wrong simply because it's implying after. No, that, that you know what's after. So that is this after. Well, no, he might not. Maybe he knows, maybe he doesn't. Obviously he doesn't know. But the thing is, it seems, according to the Sutta, that even the statement is wrong, regardless of whether it's whether he knows or not. So why is it even wrong to state that he's, he does not exist after death? Can you not state it? Can you just... Is it okay to think for yourself? as to what happens to Arahant after death? Why, is, why, is, why are those thoughts a problem? Why any views pertaining to such thoughts would be a problem? Because of that which they are pertaining to, the, the Arahant, he does not exist after death, mm. as though he gets destroyed. Basically but even theoretically, the say if they are not necessarily implying the sense of self, mm-hmm. if somebody is just trying to figure out what Arahant is or would be, would these thoughts still be wrong? Um, and uh, if so, then why? If somebody is just trying to, if if somebody is trying to figure, basically the only way to understand what an Arahant is, mm-hmm. is to so then somebody who is not an arahant comes and asks an arahant what happens after death or rather says oh so arahant then doesn't exist after death or exists after death or both doesn't Mm -hmm. exist and neither exists after death why any of such statement would be wrong is it because arahant exists after death or he doesn't or neither or both yeah Wrong in a sense that it doesn't matter. Like yeah, exactly. Well, it's yeah. wrong basically not because of what Arahant is or isn't. It's wrong because the threshold of the question implies existence. Yeah. Mm. So whether there is Arahant or not or whatever else, for that person on the basis of that view in the question, they see nothing below existence of mm. Upadana. Yeah. They see nothing below that. In ter- so question in and of itself is based on Upadana. It's based on that which Arahan isn't, doesn't have. So that's why there is no right answer to it because it's entirely top to bottom a question based on a wrong assumption. So is, isn't, both is and isn't, neither is nor isn't, still focuses on the content of my answer and completely no self-awareness in regard to the question. That that question presupposes already existence, bhava, which Arahant is free from. 
the basis of the question yeah. is wrong. It's not <coughs> completely, like the, the, completely. It cannot have a right answer. It cannot have a right answer, yeah, because it's a completely point. wrong question. Any answer given to it, uh, it would just basically then, maybe inadvertently, but it would still be um, affirming the, the, the wrong the wrong basis of a question. So, if somebody wants to then understand what Arahant, what happens to an Arahant after the body breaks apart, well, the only way to understand that is to remove every slight, the slightest traces of bhava in your mind, in your notions, from the five aggregates, basically. And then, obviously, you wouldn't be asking that question because mm -hmm. you got your answer. But if in you other words, you yeah. cannot approach it, you cannot understand it, you cannot see it through an external standpoint. An answer to such questions would be affirmation of the external standpoint to that situation. And that's impossible. Even, so see, <coughs> like even Sotapati is impossible through the external standpoint. But through the various right external standpoints, you can narrow it down and then discern it internally. But as you progress further to the path, in the path, and coming like to the point of Arhanship, then there is simply no room for any external standpoint, even the right one. And that's why Arhant is himself beyond the right view as well. <coughs> so then, exactly like in the other suttas, if a question were to pertain to also what happens then in Nibbana or after Nibbana or Parinibbana, it makes no sense. The question mm -hmm. makes no sense because the, the lowest that question can go, it's still too much of bhava for any right answer to apply, so to speak. So you need to undo undo the existence of it, the, the, the assumption of existence in it. But then, as I said, then you would get the answer by undoing the question, not by providing an answer to the question. So just to mention some other views similar. Um, the self is neither suffering or happy and is unafflicted after death. Unafflicted. Unafflicted. Mm. So basically, it's independent of feelings yeah. and everything that comes and goes. And then, in, uh, think so uh, why is that wrong? Yeah. It assumes an actual temporal self. Yeah, yeah. But practically speaking, like say somebody's like, well, I don't know what extra temporal mean. It just that's how it feels for me. Myself is not affected by pain or pleasure, and thus it will remain unaffected. Is there a way that somebody who holds their wrong view? can verify for themselves without just accepting your view now of extra-temporal self-explanation. Can I see a contradiction, a discrepancy in the very view I'm holding that can then show me that you are right? Are you <coughs> in control of the things that make up your sense of self? So, f feelings... Yeah, so it's basically, yeah, one base would be the, the lack of control. Another thing would be, okay, you, you might have notions about yourself not being affected, but can you even conceive yourself? your sense of self, apart from any feeling. Have you ever conceived it, mm. that you have not felt something? Mm. Said, oh, no. So it's it's an absolute fantasy. Even right here, right now, as I'm thinking it, mm. I'm feeling something. Mm. So can I even imagine, exactly, a thought of sense of self without a feeling? Well, that's inconceivable. So my view is truly inconceivable here while I'm stating it. Mm. And, and on the basis of that, if somebody were honest, they could see that as a obviously insurmountable contradiction and they would have to then give up that view. And that's kind of the only way you can really... Of course, if somebody's more authentic than the others, you know, they will need less instruction, less convincing. But fundamentally, 
the only way to really approve the wrong view or wrong views of all sorts of kinds is to show to the person that holds it if they're authentic enough to show them that in and of itself it's a contradiction in terms then not simply by offering another better view because then they might even take your view then but they're still taking it wrongly they're still done well they don't know if it's uh, if it's right for themselves they just took it because it sounds better now but you really want them to know that it's right in and of itself because it's a free from contradiction free from anything that you would not be able to verify here and now for yourself as okay this there's no discrepancy this adds up this doesn't add up and so on so in this particular case it's impossible it was impossible it, it's just inconceivable despite how it feels <laughs> how your sense of self feels it, it's inconceivable to even imagine because that imagination is underlined by something you're currently feeling so you saying the sense of self is independent of good or bad feeling whatever comes this way simply does not actually match even your own experience of that sense of self which is always always paired with feeling with perception <coughs> and that pleasing thought that fantasy that image of that sense of self independent of all these things there's feeling underneath that as well while you're saying it and if you're honest you'll see it and you realize well then it cannot be independent regardless of how much it appears to be so it only appears to be so because you've been cultivating such assumptions or how much you want it to be so or <laughs> yeah yeah how, how much you want it yeah and in uh, another sutta it, it gives a few other examples uh, self exists for me this is true and certain that's that's for sure no self exists for me I perceive self with self, I perceive not self with self, I perceive self with not self. It is this self of mine that I speak that speaks and feels and experiences the result of good and bad actions. But the self of mine is permanent, everlasting, eternal, not subject to change, and it will endure as long as eternity. Yeah. So, so only what's this the problem? What's the problem with that? So self exists for me, self doesn't exist for me, self both, self neither. What's the problem with that statement? Well, there are a few problems, but mm -hmm. let's come up with some. <laughs> the basic one is that, yeah, again, the basis of any of those statements is already a statement about assuming self, basically, or taking mm. the, taking mm. se self as a so thing for self whether it exists, it doesn't. exists for me. Self doesn't exist, self both mm -hmm. another means that exists for you. Exactly. And the main problem with this view is that that's where the self actually is. Mm -hmm. It's on the level of existence, not on the level where you say self is. So self exists for me. No self exists for me. Either way, no. Self exists for you because of your statement of existence. Mm -hmm. Whether that statement of existence is then referred to the sense of self or both or neither, that's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. That's already the secondary result of oh, self very much exists because things exist in that bhava sense. Existence is the self that already exists for you when you say that that self over there exists for me. So it's simply not where the sense of self is and you're overlooking it because it's on the basis of existence. Mm. And that's why it comes down to then exactly like, oh, with with self, he perceives self, I, with existence, he perceives what he thinks self is, which is then double self. Uh, with self, he perceives not self, but again, still, his experience is rooted in non-self. Or then, he would, would, if he put the emphasis on that, what he thinks self is, 
then with non-exist with like a not self in a way he can be perceiving either way there will have to be a reference point of self either here or there or both because it's in both it's in existing of the self is already the self plus the self that you now assumed even further to exist so whether you in other words that's what I mean like whether you deny or affirm the sense of self you still very much hold the sense of self because you very much hold the existence even if you don't define it as a sense of self it will be yourself and that's why exactly when they did sometimes ask the Buddha also Master Gautama says there is no self there is no self the, the no self exists so either way the root the basis of the self view the existence the bhava remain would remain completely unchanged uh, regardless of what answer the master master Gotama would give them <clears throat> so he would not say anything he would just remain quiet because it's a completely wrong yeah. assumption <laughs> wrong like question adding another <coughs> contradiction on top of what is already yeah. a contradiction yeah. basically. which then they would take as the it's the right answer, the right answer. Yeah. so it's simply it's a loaded question, basically. Question loaded with existence, so you cannot answer it correctly without dismantling the existence. But that's not what the question pertains to. Mm -hmm. So then, yeah. So a lot of these uh, views are followed by this kind of statement. Having such a view, one is, one is in a jungle of views, which is difficult to pass through and leaves one wriggling, swaying in this way and that, struggling and fettered. So you're just going from, there's no end to those. Yeah, just get, keep getting entangled. Speculations and so on. Sure, where you twist it. So back to Bhikkhu Yamaka and his uh, view about the Arahant not existing after death. So other Bhikkhus tried to persuade him otherwise, but he, he didn't want to uh, abandon that view. And so uh, Venerable Sariputta came and asked him some questions. So, in the evening, the Venerable Sariputta approached the Venerable Yamaka and asked him, What do you think? So, he, he's, not, he's not answering, he's not saying if the Arahant exists or not. Mm. Mm -hmm. He's just asking him questions. What do you think? Is form permanent or impermanent? Impermanent, sir. But if it's impermanent, is it suffering or happiness? Suffering. Since it's impermanent, suffering and subject to change, is it fit to be regarded thus? This is mine. I am this, this is myself. He says, no. So likewise with the other aggregates. Feeling, perception, tensions, mm. consciousness. So, okay, let's stop there now. Um, so Venerable Sariputta is then not going to answer the questions that Bhikkhuyamaka asked. He's going to go and question him about the validity of his questions, which is what we've been saying. So why would then he bring the uh, five aggregates why would he talk about that in light of what we just said why would that be the right way to go about these questions well as I said before the, the so <coughs> he's not giving an explanation um, he's he's um, inviting him to discern in his presently enjoying experience the nature of this sense of self that he's referring or that he's implying in his question so um, mm. but yeah so but why would then why would he talk about a form and feeling perception so intentions in your, why would he talk about in your presently enjoying experience <coughs> um, 
yeah do you have control over yeah form so so um yeah like uh, the fact that you will die for example or you're the you're you know you don't have any control over right but he wasn't talking about death though he was talking about what <coughs> but what's there living the five aggregates mm. and why why is that or suitable? did you have any say in in the, the this form that so some <coughs> must the bikuyamaka or somebody who has the view could say well yeah i don't i don't control form feeling none of that but my sense of self is independent of these things so but um how do then how do you then dislodge well that independency implies permanency so two so two so there's two things involved the identification with the aggregates and regarding that as self mm. which which is possible only because those aggregates are regarded as permanent mm. so to then question the aggregates and explicitly uh, do you see that as impermanent and he says yes they are impermanent that being uh, the only thing there is being those five aggregates if all that's impermanent then that independency cannot stand cannot stand exactly mm-hmm. it's but what we said in regard to the that view of self and the feeling, feeling. Mm-hmm. yeah you start questioning aggregates because again you would point out to that person that well as independent as it might feel as concern about what's after you might be can you experience that concern that independence of self or whatever without feeling mm-hmm. without this feeling underneath it without this form without this intention. Inconceivable. Like, even in your imagination, the utmost eternal Atman projected sense of self, ever enduring, again, as the Buddha said, cannot be apart from the sixth sense base. Mm. If somebody claims, I'll show you the all apart from this, that's simply not factually possible. So it would have to be on the basis of this. And what is the basis of this? Oh, it's the form. It's the feeling. It's the perception, intention. And then, if now a person is clear that regardless of what view they have, that view is simultaneously always paired with this, with the five aggregates, or one of them, whichever way you, 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 you have would have emphasized it. So then by questioning the basis of the five aggregates, you realize that, oh, well, it's inconceivable for this to be apart from it. It's inconceivable for this to exist independently. Any notion of existence, independent existence of the five aggregates is exactly, it's based on this notion of ignoring the fact that it cannot be apart from the five aggregates. Mm. And if it cannot be apart from that, which is thoroughly top to bottom, impermanent, subject to change, unownable, unpleasant, then it cannot be taken as mine as an independent self that can exist apart from this. And exactly what I was asking now is because I'm sure many people would have read the sutta and read the sutta and like, oh, you see these views, but then it seems almost like a leap. Oh, now you just aggregate, okay. Mm-hmm. But it's like... It, the connection between the two like because if you were to really understand this the way the Sariputta was asking him you would then be free from any notion of an external sense of self or conceit Hmm. so but if you think you're understanding the questioning on aggregates while still have your sense of self intact Mm -hmm. then you are missing something and that's what I'm pointing out you're missing that connection that sort of uh, clear reasoning that has been pushed far enough whereby you cannot now ignore the fact that it doesn't matter how lofty, how remote, how independent, how eternal, how permanent your sense of self might feel in regard to this or that, that in and of itself is still another experience as a whole that it's experience of the five aggregates. So by re-including it in that uh, which it cannot be outside of, 
such reflections about impermanence of aggregates begin to apply. Mm-hmm. Begin to actually undermine your sense of self or that existence, of that question that implies existence. Yeah, and, and he goes on to say to Yamaka, so you should see any kind of form, or the five aggregates, any kind of five uh, aggregate, mm. past, future, present, internal, external, course or fine, inferior or superior, far or near, all exactly. the aggregates with right understanding, this is not mine, I am not this, this is not myself. Mm. And seeing this, a, uh, a noble disciple grows disenchanted with the aggregates, being disenchanted, desire fades away. When desire fades away, they are freed, liberated. When they are freed, they know they are freed. Mm. They then understand birth is ended, the whole life has been completed. What has to be done has been done. There is no returning to any state of existence. So, and he, he, he continues to question Yamaka. Do you regard form as the Tathagata? form as the arahant mm. says no do you regard feeling perceptions intentions consciousness as the arahant no what do you think do you regard the arahant as in form or outside form in feeling or outside feeling in perception outside perception, in intentions mm. Outside, mm. in consciousness outside of consciousness do you regard uh, form feeling perceptions intentions what's the problem with uh, in you can say like Mm -hmm. okay I don't regard it outside of the aggregates but it's in them why is that wrong as well because it implies an outside yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) because you you place it inside and the only way you can place something inside is by assuming it being separate from it first I outside of it so Uh, he, he continues to question what do you think do you regard form feeling perceptions intentions consciousness taken together as the arahant as the self the whole thing yeah that's yeah. that's the self and he, he no, answers if the individual mm. cannot be as a group they cannot be either yeah. comprised of five heaps that remain the same unchanged regardless of whether together or alone says d- do you think uh, the arahant is one who is or the self is one with who is without the aggregates yeah again implies independence separation yeah and he says no yeah but friend when not finding that the view of <laughs> the tathagata thing <coughs> or the self is true or, s- or or definite it or we're not finding that the view of self is true definite independent thing mm. Is it fitting for you to declare as its I independence I and yeah. exactly. <laughs> truthfulness? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what we said just in regard to that self and feeling. Like if you're honest, if you stop there as well, regardless of how lofty it might feel, exactly, there is still feeling present. Can I even conceive any notion, the slightest notion of I am or the self without without feeling being there impossible so I must not ignore that context that it's whenever I think about the sense of self and the great self and the big self and the higher self and myself and inferior self past self future self far self all I'm thinking 
is exactly thoughts that are five aggregates that have sure certain valued content of the independence which is a contradiction in terms fundamentally all I'm thinking is an image is a feeling is an intention it's the form it's a thought it's basically the five aggregates so that's how you can't just stop thinking the sense of self but you can actually expand the context in regard to the thought of the sense of self and one would be expanding that context rightly if one does not double down and blindly commit to the view that pertains to that already wrongly assumed external sense of self because that person will not be establishing the context because they have set themselves in external view that my sense of self is independent of all of this and it's eternal everlasting and <clears throat> even if you don't think in such coarse terms do you think simply that everything will work out forever after do you have the implication that whatever you're doing it's just heading up well that's already an external point of view that you assumed in the sense of oh, everything will be fine regardless of whether it's pleasure or pain experienced here and now but that thought of after of the external of you know <coughs> independence and safety how can they be safe when the only way you can know it is on account of this five aggregates that are very unsafe so to speak so if you were honest you would realize that your idea of the highest heaven and deity well might be good but in and of itself it's still within this which is not in my control which is subject to change thus this too will have to change then. So it cannot be the eternal safety. Because the notion of eternity exists only on account of these non-eternal five aggregates. <clears throat> and that's the like the difficulty is to see both at the same time yeah. and to see the nature of it also. As in like you can have a you can it's very <coughs> obvious, let's say I can think about I can think about feeling being impermanent. I can say, oh, well, that can't be myself. Mm. I can't be mm. feeling. Mm. But then at the same time to see that that Everything self else. is dependent yeah. or within cannot be without yeah. feeling. Yeah. Is, or, you could, or you can sort of see that one, but at, the but at the same time to see that the feeling being impermanent totally undermines. That's why you would always go through these five. Mm -hmm. Because you might not be taking the feeling at the time when you're looking oh. at the feeling. Mm -hmm. means you're taking some other aggregate or all, all, all other aggregates. You know, just see that this thought that the feeling is impermanent is still undermined by the feeling. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. even on that level. <coughs> but you say sometimes just whatever, for whatever reason your sense of mm. self is just wiggling out of the feeling and it just mm. doesn't feel like feeling is yours well can you know that sense of self it's not perceived mm. no ah so then what perception is yours no it's not ah, so would that matter then what mm. shape and form my assumption of sense of self can assume it's going to be one or all of the five of the aggregates or one among them it mm. cannot be outside of them mm. just inconceivable because if it were truly independent of the five aggregates it would be independent of designation Independent, independent of 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 um, of, uh, of an image, independent of being known, independent of being conscious of, it will not exist. Basically, you will not be able to talk about it. <clears throat> and then uh, the big Yamaka, he finally changes his mind. Mm. He says uh, he's abandoned that view. And then Sariputta asks him, So, if others were to ask you, when a bhikkhu is an arahant whose taints are destroyed, what happens to him with the breakup of the body after death? How would you answer? 
He says, if they were to ask me that, I would answer, friends, the form is impermanent. What is impermanent is, is suffering. What is suffering has ceased and passed away. Same with feeling, perceptions, intentions, consciousness. There's it. Yeah, he would not. If somebody were what to ask suffering? him, he would not give them an answer that pertains to that question. Yeah. But he would actually show that the mm. question inevitably is rooted in a contradiction of ownership and permanence in regard to the five aggregates. So Yamaka became one of the noble ones just there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No longer assuming. Yeah, yeah, no longer being able to assume that. Yeah. The uh, external independence in regard to sense of self, whether he projected it into the mm. Buddha, an Arahant, or others, doesn't matter. doesn't have the usual stock phrases that are sometimes connected with, like, Sotapati, but mm. for, for him to come up with that kind of answer... Yeah, well, I think maybe he doesn't mm -hmm. have the usual mm -hmm. phrases because he might not have been completely like a Suttava either. Mm. He might have kind of, you know, uh, understood. Because he obviously was able to understand the questioning in regard to the aggregates, yeah. which means he was fairly familiar with that. Mm. He was just probably an oversight on his part, mm. fell into view, and then just tried to, for whatever reason, argue the point from the assumed view, mm. ignoring what he kind of already knew, mm. in a way, yeah. And uh, Venable Sariputta says, uh, good, and then uh, says he will make up a simile for him in order to convey the same meaning even more clearly. says, suppose there was a householder, a rich man with much wealth and property, protected by a bodyguard. Then some man would appear who wanted to ruin him, to harm him, to take his life. It would occur to that man... This householder is a rich man with much wealth and property protected by a bodyguard. It won't be easy to take his life by force. Let me get close to him and then take his life. He would then approach that householder and say, I would like to serve you, sir. Then that householder would appoint him as a servant. The man would serve him, rising up before, uh, before him, retire, retiring after him, doing whatever he wants, agreeable in his conduct, endearing in his speech, and that householder would consider him a friend, a best friend, and he would place trust in him. But when that, when the man becomes aware that the householder was, has placed trust in him, then finding, finding him alone, he would take his life with a sharp knife. So what do you think? When that man had approached that, that householder and said to him, I would serve you, sir, wasn't he a murderer even then? though the other did not recognize him as my murderer. And when the man was serving him, rising up before him, retiring after him, doing whatever he wa wants, agreeable in his conduct, endearing in his speech, wasn't he a murderer then too, though the other did not recognize him as my murderer? And when the man came upon him while he was alone and took his life with a sharp knife, wasn't he a murderer then too, though the other did not recognize him as my murderer? says, yes, friend, likewise, the ordinary person who is not, uh, does not see the noble ones, who is not skilled in their discipline and dhamma, uh, regards form as self, or self as possessing form, or form as in-self, or self as in-form. Mm. He does not uh, understand, as it really is, impermanent aggregates as impermanent aggregates, or painful aggregates as painful aggregates. So he places his trust in them. Yeah. He turns a blind eye to the nature of them. Yeah, he doesn't understand murderous aggregates yeah. as murderous aggregates. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he becomes engaged with them, 
clings to them and takes a stand upon them mm. as myself. And why why is the simile fitting? What is supposed to say? Let me give you a simile. They will then further hammer in what he said. Why is the um, why is the simile of a somebody becoming your friend and then killing you? Why is that more fitting than simply saying, "Yeah, you know that which is yours mm-hmm. will kill you" type of thing? Because it pertains to why you are, let's say, deceived by the, or you don't see the nature of the aggregates. It's not because they're just sort of inherently kind of ineffably deceptive or something. It's mm. because they're pleasing, held dear, mm. ple- like agreeable. Mm. Um, and L- lull you into safety. Mm-hmm. Um. Like this body, just, I mean, just for the body, for example, is the most mm. obvious one. Like when, that's the, when he talks about like the intoxication <coughs> of youth and health and mm. everything, mm. it gives... And where does that intoxication, where does that take place, I suppose? Is that on the level of views, ideas, no. or it's on the internal level, on the internal relationship. Well, the latter. Yeah. It's yeah. And that's kind of the point. See, as we were saying, the whole the, the nature of any self-view is assuming that independent separation being it external mm-hmm. to all of this. So if somebody just comes on that level and tells you, well, all of that is, is for your harm, as many people would have read this mm-hmm. sutta, but not uprooted a sense of self. Many people would have understood the simile to some extent, but not approved a sense of self. Why is that? Well, because see, and that's the point of the simile <coughs> that can be easily overlooked, is so it's not just a question of, oh, he's a murderer, by the way. Mm. The question is, he kills you from by, by entering you in like from internally, basically. He approaches you through that internal part that you don't see. Because all you see is, oh, I'm over there, this is mine, I'm projected, I'm projected. But he sort of sneaks past all of that. So that's what somebody which, you know, everybody who starts uh, would have these external notions externally projected assume sense of self independent of the five aggregates. So if they were to uproot that, they need to first see how these aggregates are first that friend Mm -hmm. and then within that friendship discern their murderous intent. They can't just externally hear about the murderous intent because they'll take that another thing with their sense of self external and they won't feel affected, they won't feel threatened. Like, I won't feel threatened if I see an external murderer over there outside of my home, outside of my kingdom. But if suddenly I recognize that somebody who's been my closest friend, confidant for the last 50 years, oh, he's the murderer's intent. Oh, now I cannot remain indifferent to that because of my trust I placed in him. Not because he suddenly became a murderer and he wasn't before. And that trust is that always that internal oversight always happens internally when you assume your sense of self externally. And that's the problem, like, this, that these things are, that, that they're so close, like, the simile doesn't even, it cannot even convey just how close yeah. this friend yeah. is. Yeah. You can keep telling to yourself as a mantra that this is all, you know, harmful and impermanent, and that's exactly what you said, like, a person would not even know where to look for the aggregates, because when they contemplate the aggregates, that's not what the aggregates are, that's already the result of them having taken up the aggregates. So, and that's same as we said so many times before, you want to contemplate a Nietzsche, you can't just, oh yeah, see, that's impermanent, that's in this carpet, this is impermanent, that's impermanent, it's irrelevant, oh, he's a murderer, no, nah, none of that makes no difference. No, let me find first things that are my friend, that I hold dearly, 
that I'm pretty much attached to, that I would not be able to remain indifferent if they change, and let me contemplate them as impermanent, as a threat, as a trap. So, what are those things for people? What would be the most obvious things? Family, Family exactly. Children, spouses, relatives. What, what another, what's another thing? In any the body. The body, your own body. Health. Health, exactly. Intoxication with health, youth, strength. What other thing on the level of the, the world? Reputation. Reputation, mm-hmm. yeah. Just the image of yourself, but wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, savings, safety of your home, safety of your situation, like physical kind of safety, like um, comfort. Mm. All of those things you realize are taken for granted. Because, well, it's kind of, it, it, I don't think it would be very hard for people. It's like if you just even have an inkling to against these things, it would be already too frightening. Because most of them, people's concern are directed towards then keeping your mind away from thinking these bad thoughts in regard to things that are dear to you. But how can those thoughts be bad if they are factual? Or because they, they can be bad, bad, but that means the facts are bad. <coughs> the facts are subjected to sickness, aging, and death. So, yeah, that is bad. But why is that bad? Is, is, is it a problem that this person who pretended to be my friend was a murderer? Is that my problem? Why is that my problem? When does it become my problem that he wants to kill me? When you delight in that friendship. When you like him in the house. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. When you take him as a friend. Mm. When you don't discern his motives. But if you don't do any of that, his murderous intent is not your problem. It cannot murder you. Because he hasn't gained your confidence, your trust. But again, you can't... The, the situation you find yourself in, you can't not let him in because... He's yeah, in yeah. Already, of course we are, we are talking. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're talking like in on the level of yeah. theory, so people can wrap their head around. But yeah, you don't start in a neutral position. Mm. You already start with, well, five closest friends, and they're all here competing. Who's going to kill you first? And you don't even see it. You you still plan further, engage further, on account of their friendship and you're actually becoming even more dependent on their presence, yet their entire purpose of their presence is to take you out. So. I was thinking, just um, <coughs> in relation to the... That it's not necessarily so easy to see the things that are so close. Um, for example, family. Like, you can think about, I don't know, your mother or something that is... You know, dear to you and like if she dies when people's family or close family die mm. you might feel grief but what it doesn't usually occur to you is that even the grief on account of your mother dying and the thought of like that she's still even she's dead mm. she's my mother my mm. mother is dead mm. that that is in a way even more dear Mm. As, and well, that's that, the root of the and that's even dearness. And exactly, and that and that's so why you can grieve even after the person's gone. And yeah. it's not because, you know, whether she's alive or she's dead, mm. she is still 
dear as mm. my mother, as mm. like so, something that makes me who I am. Sort yeah. of thing. So how do you then approve that? Then, well, if by the contemplating mother the end of that, like that, that, that even. And what is the end of that? Well, stop thinking it. Would that be an end of it? No, it's it's as in like that you could lose even that, like th that that memory, for example, or that because even that can change. Like How would you lose that memory? Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. But why would then you won't suffer on account of it if you don't remember it? Well, so like Alzheimer's is pretty scary. No? Well, it's scary when you don't have it. When you have it, you, you've <laughs> lost perspective on it. Yeah, but that doesn't. I mean, you could say the same for like, oh well, I, I you know, for death, you know, like death. death is not yeah, and that's exactly what people say. Exactly. That's exactly. So why? How? How? Like, because it's obviously then not enough if they just because that's exactly what they would fall into. Well, I will die when I die. I'll, that's fine. Mm -hmm. so why? Why scare myself with it now? That is a sort of stoic position. Yeah. Life and death cannot be there together. So when I'm dead, I'm dead. So why worry about it when I'm alive? And so you sort yeah. of rationalize so, so the whole so problem. So why worry about it? Yeah. Why, why, why should you worry about it? Why should you worry about exactly even that? Oh, my mother that has passed away is still dear to me. Oh, why is that then still a problem, that thought? Mm -hmm. why, why should I worry about Why should I think about death? If it's not here yet, then when it's here, well, then I can't do anything about it. Huh? So why? Why why is it beneficial? <laughs> like we saw, oh, because we are Buddhists. Well, put that aside. <laughs> <laughs> but why is it beneficial? Factually, it is beneficial mm. to think about it. And what would then the benefit be? Why is it beneficial? Why you should think about it? Because it results in, well... Why is it not beneficial to say, well, I'll die when I die. In the meantime, I won't think about because it. Because you still suffer and can't. Because that's not what death is. Mm -hmm. What you think death is, what you think losing the loved one is, isn't. It's based on you already being intoxicated, already uh, having the ownership. So when you think about death, you might feel initially that, but even that takes effort to sustain that initial uh, anxiety in the face of it. And if you're not careful, you will just fall onto another view, external view. A death will come to this. You don't feel affected, factually, because you already projected yourself externally. You s mm. you, you're not seeing it on that internal, intimate level of my friendship. So, and that's exactly what people would, because it's unavoidable for them to think or experience losing the loved ones, yet most of them still don't turn to Dhamma. Mm. Why is that? Well, because the grief, you cope with it by assuming ex another external point of view to it. Mm. But if you were honest, even then, you recognize, well, see, the problem of me not thinking about death is because first and foremost do I even know what death is and to what extent I understand it to what extent I've just projected another idea onto it and secondly if I think I will be unmoved by death <coughs> whenever it comes or it won't be a bigger problem surely then I shouldn't be moved by anything else that's inferior to that death mm. all these little well he said this she said that Yet, I'm very moved by those things. I do get annoyed, I get lustful, I get full of desire, I get full of anger. But somehow, the utmost, you know, bad experience of dying, disintegrating, pain, falling apart, but I will be unmoved in regard to that. Is that a realistic expectation? If I'm moved on a kind of sight, sound, smell, taste, touches, surely I will be moved when those organs that provide me with sight, sound, smell, taste, touches are actually breaking apart and I'm witnessing that. So it's like, okay, so first and foremost, I probably have a very inaccurate idea of what death is. 
Um, and then secondly, exactly, I still suffer here and now. So I can keep turning a blind eye to it. Like, your relative passes, you <coughs> grieve, and then you stop grieving. Why is that? Because you, why did you suffer in the first place? Because, because you don't match. suffer when somebody else passes, that's irrelevant to you. So why did you suffer in the first place? Because it was your relative. Yeah, so yeah, it was basically your thing was subjected to change that you didn't want. And why don't you suffer now? Is it because you removed the ownership of these things? Because you obviously didn't, because you mm -hmm. still think of it, my relative, my mother. But why don't you suffer now? Is it because you understood it? Or because you just buried it again with the distraction of the sense objects and sense organs and pleasure you get through it? So, and that's exactly why people then who have lost their loved ones cope with it, dealt with it, continue with their life. Well, if they were to then go, say, on a retreat or a more secluded environment, withdrawn from sense objects and distractions and pleasures, all those previously coped things will come back completely unresolved. Mm -hmm. And not just passing away, anything unpleasant you experienced. Because unenlightened mind, as the Buddha said so many times, has no other means of dealing with pain other than engaging with sensuality and burying it under the pain. You bury it under pleasure, pleasure, perpetual. But then the more you do it, the more you're dependent on that pleasure that's already quite burdening and hard to access, or hard to sustain, and so on. So that's, that's kind of the point. You recognize that, well, wait, why did I suffer in the first place? Sure, I don't suffer anymore. I dealt with it. She's gone, it's fine. No, but why did I suffer in the first place? If I suffered on account of that in the first place, can I suffer on account of other things? And then what? Well, then I'll have to deal with it. So then I'll be burdened with having to cope, manage. But is it possible to not suffer in the first place? Hmm. Is it possible to not even be touched by that suffering? So I have nothing to deal with. And that's the true freedom. There is no debt I have to pay back then or work off. And, yeah, if you're then honest, you recognize, okay, so you didn't really suffer because this form changed, mother passed away or something. You suffered because you were taking that which cannot be yours as yours. Okay, so am I still doing that in regard to other things? Oh, hell yeah. Which means when those things change, I will then suffer, if not the same, maybe probably even more. Because, see... If an external form was dear to you, imagine how much more your own form, your own organs, that you used to get the pleasure and distraction and so on, to experience all these other secondary things. Well, that's even more dear to you. So imagine how much more you will suffer then. But again, not because those things that are subject to change would change, but because those things that are subject to change, well, you take up as yours by ignoring that they're subject to change, by turning a blind eye through engaging through sensuality and distraction. That's it. So death is presently enduring. It's not something yeah. in the future. It's not yeah. something. But in order for that to be understood, really, that the weight of that person first needs to... Well, again, to some honesty, you recognize, okay, so the ownership, taking up things is there, that's the root of suffering. I should really aim to, not, to be free from suffering. Because if they don't do that, then they just adopt another external view in regard to death. Yeah. And death won't apply to them. And that's why I mentioned what I did in regard to that simile the Venerable Sariputta gave. It's like, so it's not, oh, yeah, it's a murder. Yes, I'll be murdered. I'm fine. No, no, no. you got to recognize that, that that person who is saying, I'll be you yourself, okay. those aggregates, those perceptions, that's already there murdering you. Yes. So your thought of you'll be fine is another trap that will murder you. 
it's not you you have no external standpoint which is always assumed by saying oh well when death comes that's it oh so basically you kind of imply to your own assumption of existence of the external standpoint that you won't be affected by it and that's fine you cannot get rid of that notion but then you start including that notion okay so when i say death will come whenever it comes i'll deal with it then and i feel safe on account of that thought here and now oh but that is another five aggregates here and now that i'm taking as safe on account of admitting that they are root of complete non-safety so if you're honest and just push the same principle as far as it goes you will realize okay yeah all of this that i know is that murderer that pretends to be my friend form feeling perceptions intentions awareness consciousness that's it all of it all of it is the friend all of it is the murderer that pretends to be my friend and lulls me into sense of safety by saying oh no death will come to everyone you know no problem by providing me with these external self uh, external notions of self uh, views wrong views in regard to the aggregates and everything else so that i don't see him for what it is making you believe basically threat is over there you avoid it by moving over there either way keeping you external to the truth of he is the one there plotting for it and that's the danger of views it always requires the external assumption of external even the right view for that matter but the right view does point back to itself so eventually you can you can you can uproot any notion of external through using that right view mm. and that's how our hunt as i said before goes beyond the views altogether in other words there's not not the slightest trace of any like even possibility of assuming external to the aggregates assuming independence in regard to the aggregates or assuming like what we were saying like health wealth mm. um family all of these assumptions yeah so are, you start with that say yeah. a person starts with that and then they inevitably going to have some coping mechanism on the mental level and then you include that as well well this coping mechanism can that be independent of this feeling of these of these things that are subjected to change so my <coughs> coping sense of safety well that's another trap that's actually unsafe so no place to hide psych like when the buddha said um anybody who believes that they have health is a fool like mm. yeah yeah you're just or anybody who believes that um not having health is not a problem is also a fool ah oh, fine i'll deal with it no because they're intoxicated that's a drunk person doesn't care about the consequences of his actions because he's drunk but then when he sobers up he realizes oh my god what have i done but there is no way of talking that into him while he's drunk it doesn't matter loss of perspective so you realize that's the peril i am already in a state of l- lack of perspective of death of there being death health death loss and you will know that if you simply ask yourself well can i suffer on account of anything can suffering arise on account of anything that is able to change or can i not suffer on account of anything any change can i remain up imperturbable um composed regardless of how much things change whether they're dear to me or not if i lose everything this second would i be affected or not 